As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. Hello, I'm Dan Bardell and welcome to the Athletics England Show. We'll be here throughout Euro 2020, or as long as England are in the competition at least, and we'll bring you all the latest news and insight from inside the camp every single day from the Athletics team of writers, as well as some special guests too. We're starting today as Gareth Southgate's named his provisional squad for the tournament. I'm joined by our England correspondent, Jack Pitbrook, and the Athletics' Carl Anker, as well as Ollie Kay as well. Right, then it's finally here, the squad announcement day. I mean, a few months ago, we thought there was going to be 23 players. It was then going to be 26. And then we found out in the last 24 hours, it's actually going to be 33. And then it's going to get whittled down to 26. Jack, you were lucky enough to be on the press conference with Gareth Southgate today, negotiating the the poor Wi-Fi at St. George's Park. I heard you talking to him. What were the main takeaways from the press conference for you? Hi, Dan. Well, the main takeaway really was Southgate explaining why he had chosen to pick 33 players rather than 26. I think there's two main reasons. The first is that 12 of the players are going to be involved in European finals this week, obviously Europa League final with Man United players on Wednesday and then Saturday City versus Chelsea in the Champions League final. So a lot of those guys won't be able to join up until next week when England are playing their warm-up games against uh, Romania and Austria. The other reason is injuries. You know, There's quite a few of these England players are currently carrying injuries um, Harry Maguire, Calvin Phillips, Jordan Henderson, Jack Grealish just come back from injury. Southgate wants to get a really good look at those guys so he can get a handle on whether or not they'll be ready. So that's why he's done this slightly unusual thing of picking an extra set, seven more players than he actually needs uh, to get into the next week or so. So let's just rattle off that 33-man list that we've got for the provisional squad. We've got the goalkeepers Dean Henderson, Sam Johnston, Jordan Pickford and Aaron Ramsdale. The defenders are Trent Alexander-Arnold, Ben Chilwell, Connor Cody, Ben Godfrey, Rhys James, Harry Maguire, Tyro Mings, Luke Shaw, John Stones, Kieran Trippier, Kyle Walker, Ben White. The midfielders, Jude Bellingham, Jordan Henderson, Jesse Lingard, Mason Mount, Calvin Phillips, Declan Rice and James Ward-Prowse. And for the forwards, we've got Dominic Calvert-Lewin, Phil Foden, Jack Grealish, Mason Greenwood, Harry Kane, Marcus Rashford, Bakayo Saka, Jaden Sancho, Raheem Sterling, and finally, Ollie Watkins. I'm going to go for a lie down. Yeah, Carl, he, he kind of intimated that he didn't know a lot 
about these injuries. And obviously Harry Maguire is one of one of those big ones. Manchester United's captain, he'd be one of the first names in the team sheet for Southgate. Do you know anything that Southgate might not know? Uh, so Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's just on his, at the time of recording, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's just on his Europa League final press conference. And he says that Maguire is likely jogging on the sideline and that Solskjaer might join him. So we know Maguire was at the premiere of Alex Ferguson's film, Never Give In, and he was walking without an ankle boot. So we know he can walk. Okay. We know he can lightly jog in place. From what we know about Harry Maguire, we know he spent basically two months last season with a hip injury and he took painkilling injections every single time. Uh, so gut feeling. It's a bit like Wayne Rooney before Bayern Munich in 2010, where I can imagine someone asking Maguire, do you fancy it? And I'll give you this painkilling injection to try and play 45 minutes for Manchester United. But in terms of playing group stage matches and knockout matches for England, I would not recommend it. Uh, I think Maguire is an excellent defender and I think he definitely would be starting if he was fit. I did an article for The Athletic trying to come up with various formations if Maguire wasn't there uh, and got sadder and sadder and sadder as I realised Maguire might not make it. But if he has ligament damage in his ankle, which it sounds as if very much he has, and we're talking damage, not just bleeding on the bone, but damage, then he should not be playing football for the better part two months. I think everyone right now is being very hopeful that he should be fit, but even if he does come back, I doubt he's going to be even 60% of the defender that he has been previously. Yeah, it's, it's a really strange one. I mean, Ollie, there, there's so many injuries at the moment. I mean, you'll have covered tournaments before where there's been major talking points with injuries leading into tournaments. I think of Beckham, I think of Rooney, but have you ever known anything like this? Because it, it feels like there's a lot of players who are really going to be touch and go for this. To be honest, it feels quite familiar in that respect because it seems like almost every tournament England are left sweating on the fitness of players. I'm sure it's the same for most countries and most teams, but there's always been this feeling that the physical demands of the, the Premier League season and the fact that the competitions generally run straight to the end has that sort of wet wear and tear impact on the players as, as they reach the end of the season. So, yes, I mean, I can even think of Gareth Barry in 2010 and that was... That was I know the idea of the country praying for Gareth Barry's fitness you know, might sound unlikely 11 years on, but, but that was the case. It was the case with Rooney in the past and Beckham in the past. And I, I think back to the first tournament, I remember Kevin Keegan and Trevor Brooking weren't fit. They, they, weren't, they didn't even play a minute until the, you know, the final minutes of the final game. So it just seems to be an English thing. I don't think Southgate will want to take players who he feels are not going to get fit for either the start of the tournament or very soon afterwards. Yeah, it does feel like a, a familiar theme. Jack, what was Gareth's mood like in, in the press conference? What what did you gauge from his mood? He didn't really want to give too much away. He didn't want to get drawn into specifics. I think lots of people were, would have wanted him to go into detail about, you know, are you going to are you going to pick Alexander Arnold or James is obviously one of the big questions. But then there's lots of speculation about which of those seven players will get will get unselected ahead of the 1st of June. But Southgate really didn't want to get caught on anything like that. He was very... like he, It's interesting listening to Southgate because he's obviously a very smart guy and he's sometimes very good at letting you in on his thought process and explaining how he came to certain decisions. But he's also very good at knowing what would make for a headline and kind of delicately swerving away from it. So at times you've feel like sometimes you'll listen to him talk for a long time and he won't necessarily say anything that's especially sensational even though it is interesting to get that window in on what he's thinking I mean I guess he's got no idea what's going to happen as well there's still so much football to be played those two games could could be really pivotal and some of those players Jack that, that they won't join up 
until the very last last minute, really. So he has got some major decisions to make. Exactly, yeah. So I asked Southgate when those players would be joining, would they get a whole week? And Southgate said probably less than a week, maybe more like five days. So by my uh, very simple cal- calculations, that means I imagine that the Manchester United players will join up on Tuesday the 1st of June, which of course is the day when Southgate submits the 26-man list. City and Chelsea players probably on Friday the 4th of June. Uh, but I imagine that means that, well, the City and Chelsea players won't play either of the friendlies, I'm, I guess. Maybe the Chelsea players will come back in for the Romania friendly on Sunday the 6th of June, by which point Southgate will have submitted the list. So, and you know, who knows if any of those 12 guys will pick up injuries in those two finals. You know, players often get injured in finals. They're very intense games. And we all know that all the players are exhausted after all the football they've had to play. So it's totally plausible that some of the, you know, some really high-profile players could get an injury which would put them out of the Euros. So for Southgate's perspective, it's just really a case of waiting and seeing, and that's why he needs that buffer of the extra seven players who we might have to call upon uh, for his final squad. Carl, was there anything, anyone that surprised you? Any names in there that you weren't expecting to see? I mean, there was murmurs last night, as, as there always is. Certain things probably get leaked to an extent. But was there anything in there that really surprised you? Ben White and Ben Godfrey's inclusions were a nice, pleasant surprise there. Uh, I was quite happy to see James Ward-Prowse in the 33-man squad. I'm not sure if he's going to make the 26 one, but we'll see. Uh, I was a little bit sad that Danny Ings didn't make it, so obviously I covered Southampton last season. So yeah. uh, I've got some Southampton. Uh, they're, they're close to my heart. So Ward-Prowse making it makes me happy. Ings not making it makes me sad, although I think Ings didn't quite finish the season well enough. This is a really interesting tournament in that, you know, if... COVID-19 had not occurred and we had it last summer. There were certain players that absolutely, you know, we could have had a list that didn't have Harry Kane and didn't have Marcus Rashford because of the injuries they would have had. We very yeah. easily could have had one where Mason Greenwood is nowhere near included because he was in the under-23s. This is a really, really strange squad. I would have loved to see Tomori make the squad. I think the moment Maguire got injured and I saw they tried doing various formations for a back three, oh, Southgate needs to call up Tomori. The best option for a back three without Maguire is Tomori but indeed he hasn't called up Tomori and even now I think I mean if I'm at the Nigerian Football Association I'd be calling up Tomori right now if I'm at the Congo Football Association I'm calling up Aaron Wan-Bissaka if I'm someone from a football association should be calling up concert there are many many dual heritage football players right now that yeah. haven't been called up from Southgate and I'm imagining there's a scout or an agent somewhere going hey so here's a national team you should be playing for all power to them if they end up swapping allegiances I was going to agree with Carl's point about that about how different the squad perhaps looks now to what it would have done had the, had it gone ahead at the original point because I mean, even, you know, Jack Grealish, Phil Foden, players like that who mm. were perhaps on the periphery of the squad this time last year, or periphery of Southgate's thoughts. Even, you know, Mason Mount, Calvin Phillips, they, they'd played for England by that point, but they hadn't necessarily really forced their way into, into his plans. So, yes, the tournament probably comes a year too late for some, and maybe it's a year too early for others, but maybe it's... Maybe it's very good timing for some of those players. Jude Bellingham as well. I mean, he, I think we would have been 16, wouldn't he, when, when the tournament rolled around, if it had come round when, when it was supposed to. You'd imagine he's probably going to be in the 26. What a great experience it's going to be for him and what a year he's had. Oh, yeah, he's a stud. After the Borussia Dortmund game against Manchester City, uh, someone very clever at the Athletic tried telling me to make an England formation with Foden and Bellingham. And the more I stare at it, the more I'm going, yeah, start Bellingham next to Declan Rice and put Phil Foden up front. It's there. The magic is there. Do it now. <laughs> what's, what's your thoughts on that, Jack? Bellingham is obviously a sensational player. Like he, He's so mature, given how young he is. Uh, I mean, you know, watching him in those 
Dortmund games in the Champions League against City. I know he's been doing it week in, week out in the Bundesliga. When he came into the England squad in March, I thought he was incredible. He's just He's got this kind of natural authority and swagger for a player who's that young. It's really quite something to, to, to see in action. And it's, I actually think it... I think it's kind of inconceivable that he won't be in the 26 now, strangely enough, given how inexperienced he is. Yeah, he's got to be there. And I, I think I think Carl's right. It's totally plausible that he could start. I mean, the fact is that I imagine it'll be a 4-2-3-1. Declan Rice will certainly start. And then alongside him, you know, it's, I, I would have guessed it would have been either Jordan Henderson or Calvin Phillips, who's been deputising for Henderson since he's been injured. Henderson hasn't played since February. Phillips had a, sustained a shoulder injury in the last game of the season for Leeds against West Brom. So there's question marks against those two guys. And I think the only other options you'd have are Bellingham and Ward-Prowse. And I think Bellingham is ahead of Ward-Prowse in the pecking order. Having arrived into the, international, into the kind of international consciousness pretty recently, really, for a lot of football fans, I think Bellingham could well be playing against Croatia in June. Oli, I'm going to come to you about Trent Alexander-Arnold, who actually Southgate name-checked him as being someone who could potentially play in midfield. We all know how good he is. He was left out in March. Should this even be a discussion that he's going to make the 26? And what are you reading to him being in the 33? I think the fact that it's there is a discussion and there is a debate reflects just how good England's options are in that position. I mean, it's, I think, perhaps a year or two ago, people started sort of warming to that theme. And you know, it was Alexander Arnold, James, Trippier, Walker. The embarrassment of riches is so different to what it's been at previous tournaments in any position, really. I can't remember England ever being so stock, well stocked for any position. But I look at it and and I think, well, look, somebody good is going to, somebody really good is going to get left out. I don't think that person should be Trent Alexander-Arnold. I think he should be one of those three right backs. If, if we're taking three right backs, I, I can't see any way he isn't one of the best of those. But I don't think Gareth Southgate necessarily sees it that way. So Alexander-Arnold has only got 12 caps so far. I mean, he, he forced his way in just before the 2018 World Cup. He's been an England player for three years. He's only got 12 caps. And he hasn't yet had a real standout performance in an England shirt, like Trippier has, like Walker has, uh, like Rhys James has, to be honest. So I think that counts against him slightly. I think the fact that he's so much on the front foot counts against him in Southgate's mind, because I think Southgate perhaps has a bit of concern and thinks, well, yeah, you're brilliantly creative from right back, but do I want something a bit more secure? England don't play like Liverpool do. And England aren't going to play like Liverpool do. So that really is the reason why there are that Alexander Arnold faces a battle to, to to make this final 26-man squad. And wouldn't surprise me still if he if he misses out. I think I think he's one of those players who's very much under the microscope over the next week or so. And he'd definitely be in my squad if Southgate doesn't want to pick him. If he feels he's fourth choice in for that position, then that should be Southgate's decision. He shouldn't he shouldn't pick anything based on what the fans or the, or the public or the media might say. There's been too much of that in the past with England. Yeah, what, what are your thoughts on that, Jack? Because it feels like Trippier and Walker, they're like trusted lieutenants of Southgate. They've been there and done it in tournaments for him now when we, when we go back a few years to, to the last World Cup. Rhys James has been picked for a lot of games for England when, when since he's come onto the scene as well. And he's now got a new string to his bow playing at right centre-back, which I think is a really good option because of his recovery pace. I really like him there. I guess it's the same when Walker plays there in a the back three as well. What are your thoughts on Trent? Do you think he's going to get in? Honestly, no. I think it's likelier that James will keep his place. It'll be James Walker and Trippier will go and Trent will miss out. That's just my guess. If it was up to me, like Ollie, I think I'd take Trent just because he's a, 
he's a uniquely talented player. Like I can't really remember an equivalent of England producing a player quite like him before. And he does give you something. I mean, Walker, Trippier, and James are all incredible at what they do, but. Alexander Arnold just gives you something different, like a different level of creativity and skill and precision. And uh, I personally, from you know, with a fan, with my England fan hat on, I would rather see an England team with Alexander Arnold in because he's such he is such a uniquely entertaining player. That said, we like Southgate's a really pragmatic coach. I don't think people quite have twigged that because Southgate came with this reputation as being a guy who would get England to play free flowing football and all the rest of it. I don't really think that's quite true. I think Southgate's instincts are actually in the other direction. And so I do totally understand why Southgate is doing what he's doing. It's just, frankly, I would rather see Trent in the team. I mean, I'll come to you as well about it, Carl, because my opinion personally is that you absolutely take him. He's, he's kind of reinvented the right-back role. He's a genuinely world-class ooh, talent, ooh, and ooh, I think ooh. he should be in there. No, you're not having that. Not having the every, t- every, every time people say Trent Alexander-Arnold reinvented right-back, Danny Alves cries. <laughs> he's still playing. He's just, he's just won a t- competition with Sao Paulo this week right Danny Alves is there go watch Sevilla Danny Alves and then you'll see a right back reinventing stuff anyway uh, to pick up on what Jack just said I think what was really telling was during the March internationals when Southgate said it's all well and good being expansive but he's looking towards France and towards Portugal and see what they do so Mm. France the thing about France and and I'm still not sure if Didier Deschamps is a good coach um, and even though he's the French national team manager and has been for a while, he was reared in the Juventus system of the 90s. He, he plays pragmatic, slobber knocker, slug ball, concrete football from Juventus from the 90s. Very similar to how Zinin Zidane manages in terms of Real Madrid, right? They both came through that Juventus team. They both do rigid organization in those teams. Portugal won uh, the European Championships in 2016 over that France team, and they went off and won the, um, the Nations League because they play very pragmatic quite unexciting football, but they, they don't mind boring to tears 1-0 and then going 1-1, beating you on penalties. They can do that. And I think Southgate, especially after defeats against Belgium and against other teams in the Nation League, went, okay, let me just find a way to, to apply a handbrake. This isn't the England team we saw at the World Cup. This isn't the 3-5-2 system with Harry, Maguire, with Harry Kane uh, and one of Marcus Rashford or, or Raheem Sterling. This is a team that they can play a more expansive 4-3-3, but I think Southgate in the big games is going to try and play a 3-4-3 or a 3-4-2-1. And the most important players in that system are Carl Walker on the right-back position or the right-centre-back position, dropping back when everyone's progressing down the left-hand side. Mason Mount in this weird role where he either pushes up from a number eight position or to play as a quasi-number 10. And Harry Kane, when he does that weird Harry Kane thing when he's also a striker and also a midfielder. And once you realise those are the most important players, Trent, looks a bit awkward. Now, I don't think Southgate's silly. And while we talk about pragmatism, there is a form of pragmatism where you take a certain weapon with you just because it's different to every other weapon, right? You know, you, you don't. if everyone's turning up to a, a knife fight with a knife, eh, sometimes turn up with a hammer. Trent can be a hammer. So I think he's going to take him. I think while there is much of a muchness between Trippier, Reese James, and Carl Walker. Carl Walker wins because he's really useful in a back three and between Trippier and Reese James. I think you can drop Reese James and say, look, next tournament, but I need Trent right now. Ollie, there is so much attacking talent in there. When you say that list of forwards, it's I don't remember there being such an embarrassment of riches in the front players as well. When you think of some of the exciting talents that there are coming through that England team, you think of Grealish, you think of Foden. You know, we talk about being pragmatic. 
there's an argument as well that England have got the attacking weaponry to really hurt even the elite teams. What England seems to be very good at at the moment is is developing attacking right backs, attacking right right sided players, and um, and the wingers as well. I mean, there's there's great option on on both wings, and I think that that, that just that there's been a feeling that those are the kind of players that. That, that have been coming through the Premier League system, you know, the academy system over the last few years, we haven't really got an abundance of, of solid central defenders, sort of solid box-to-box central midfielders. It, the game seems to have changed a bit. The way players evolve and emerge seems to be seems to have changed a bit. And I think you can either play to the strengths of those front players and really front-load the team, or you can go, or you can think, right, well, we need... You know, maybe three of those guys, or you know, Kane and Kane and two others, whether it's Sancho or Sterling or or whoever. I mean, the, the options are so good, but I suspect it's going to be either a back four or back five, and then a fairly sort of solid midfield with Mount breaking forward, as, as Carl says. I think Southgate is going to go down the route of a more pragmatic team with front players that can do a lot of damage rather than sort of go on the front foot in terms of the formation. I, I think it's going to be. Uh, perhaps a more defence-minded system than, than than people would like. Set pieces are going to be big at this tournament. You know, mm. yeah, they were about, in the last one. We talk about all the injured players, not just ring, but everyone's injured. Right, Sergio Ramos is in the Spain squad right now because he is injured. And just like the last World Cup, if you're a team that has two or three good set piece takers and you have a couple of six footers to crash the back post, that's going to be important. This someone in this Euros is going to reach the quarterfinals purely because they have less knackered players compared to someone else. And it looks as if it might be Wales with Gareth Bale, or it might be Turkey because they have a decent route, or it might be the Netherlands because they have some players that sort of wrapped up their seasons in the Eredivisie pretty early. Not being tired and being good at your set pieces is going to get you far in this competition. And Southgate is going to be very wise to that fact. If we assume James Ward-Prowse isn't going to be in the final squad, which he may be, but he's not going to be on the pitch an awful lot, I wouldn't think. Is England's best set piece specialist? Is that Trent Alexander-Arnold? So does that make it more important? I think the fact that James Ward-Prowse has played every minute, not only of the 2020-21 season, but also of the 1920 season, Declan mm-hmm. Rice nearly got there if it wasn't for the injury he had earlier on this season. I think the fact that Ward-Prowse has loads of miles on the clock and he doesn't necessarily have an upward gear from midfield. He, he can run and he can press, but he's going to go at you at third gear all the time. I think you, you can say, sorry, but we've got Kieran Trippier, Trent Alexander-Arnold, Reese James and Luke Shaw that can all take set pieces. I I'm really sorry, Ward-Prowse. I love you, but everything you bring to the side can be done with other players. Yeah, I mean, Jack, one of the names that's leaping out on me is one of the ones that we wouldn't have expected at all in Ben White, just because of the injuries and because he's a multifunctional player that can play in different systems. He can play in, in so many different formations. He can play in different positions. He could end up being a real winner here because if there is injuries, the likelihood is because of Southgate being that pragmatic manager that Ollie's talked about, he could be one that makes it into the squad just by virtue of him being so flexible. Totally, yeah. As Ollie said earlier, England don't have a lot of strength and depth at centre-back at all. You know, Maguire and Stones are really the only two top-level established senior centre-backs they've got. And there's a big injury question mark over Maguire. Um, obviously, Cody and Mings are in there, but not wholly sold on them as international-level players. So there's a, it is a massive opportunity for White and Godfrey. And it is really, you know... England are not going to have their all their, their their first choice back four are not going to be involved in England this week. So it's a it's, it's, it really is a massive moment for those two guys. And while I couldn't claim to be an expert on either White or Godfrey, they've obviously performed tremendously well for their clubs over the last few years. 
Um, and like you say, White's capacity to play in the holding midfield, where England really only got Declan Rice, and then there's, well, Phillips possibly injured, Henderson possibly injured, means that you can totally see the path to, to White playing in the first team in the Euros, which is amazingly exciting. And Jack, just staying with you, Southgate revealed something else in his press conference. We've obviously all focusing fully on, on the squad and the players that are named on the list, but there's actually been a, a backroom staff change as well, hasn't there? Yeah, so Alan Russell's leaving and Graham Jones is coming in. So Graham Jones is currently working with Steve Bruce at Newcastle, really, really highly rated coach, worked with Roberto Martinez, I think, at Everton and then with the Belgian national team. Um, Southgate said he's really, really excited to have him have him involved. He'll obviously bring a fresh set of eyes to the England coaching team, working alongside the more established names like Steve Holland, Martin Margotson and Chris Powell. Um, Jones is obviously really highly rated in, in the sort of football world. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see if he kind of brings an extra aspect to England's game at the tournament. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Let's just look at what the Athletic will have coming up. I mean, there'll be plenty of Euros and plenty of England content coming up. And Jack, you're, you're the England writer. You've got a piece out this morning, haven't you? Can you just tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so I did the Gareth Southgate press conference yesterday afternoon, which was which was really interesting. So my piece is just taking a bit of a look at the various issues that have forced him into this kind of unusual situation of choosing 33 players rather than 26 Um ahead of the Euros, which is something that he wouldn't have wanted to do, but I think the situation has forced his hand a bit. Yeah, there'll be plenty of other stuff coming up in the next few days about England. Watch out for stuff from Carl and Ollie as well, because they'll have plenty of content coming out on The Athletic. There was a great Ben White piece whilst we've been talking about him as well by Andy Naylor, so go and have a look at that and get an in-depth look at Ben White's career. So if you're interested in reading anything that we've just spoken about, all you've got to do is go to theathletic.com slash Ornstein and Chapman and you can sign up ahead of the tournament and you'll get a special 40% off your subscription. That's theathletic.com slash Ornstein and Chapman. Before we finish, guys, let's just try and work out who we think the seven might be that, that don't make the squad. I think we can probably discount Aaron Ramsdale. I mean, I had a go at doing this earlier. And I could only omit six. It's, it's the right back one that, that's the real quandary. I think if, if Trent's going to go or not, I think a lot depends on that. I think we've probably discounted Ward Prowse between us. Saka, is it, is it tournament too soon for Saka perhaps, Carl? Yeah, and I know it doesn't mean a lot, but I'm still really annoyed that Southgate called him up on Nigerian Independence Day. That's just a <laughs> nah, bit I was, just a, I was <laughs> just a bit mean. I'm not even Nigerian. I just think I'm just a little bit cheeky. I'm really sorry, but I'm not taking Maguire. He's got ankle ligament damage. I don't want a player to have to take a large amount of painkillers to play 
for the national team. I know he's a starter and I know that there's not really anyone that can replicate his production, but no, no, mate, sit down, wrap you up in cotton wool. You'll have to start the season well instead. Ollie, what, what, what about Henderson? Because it's a long time not playing football from, from February, isn't it? I know he's an integral part of the team and a, and a real leader, but, you know, he hasn't played for su- such a long time. Where, where do you stand with that? He is back in, in, in full training. I mean, we, t- we spoke earlier about the, the gambles that England have taken on play, unfit players in the past, and including them, but he is training. He's felt to be ready to, to, to play a game. I'm sure he'll be involved against Austria next Wednesday and, and, and Romania. I, I the hope is that he'll be okay. Calvin Phillips the same. I mean, his shoulder injury the other day. Uh, I'm sure Southgate wouldn't want to take both of them if there were big, big question marks about their fitness. But it's hoped that they will both be okay. I mean, a, a lot of the, the more unexpected names that were called up today and Godfrey and Ben White, etc. People are just assuming they are kind of guys to make up the numbers in training until until the, the sort of the big guns come along. I, I've been so impressed by Ben Godfrey this season that I, I would want to see him in, the, in that in that final squad, I hope I hope he makes it because I think he's I think he's a really really good prospect. I don't think the other options in central defence, Mings, Cody, etc., are so established at international level that that they get the nod over him on on the grounds of experience. So yeah, I hope Godfrey is in. I hope Bukayo Saka makes it. He's a fantastic footballer. He's he's versatile. He can play different roles in different systems. And I don't I think it's probably going to come down to a straight choice between Saka and. Um, a Mason Greenwood, and I think that would probably divide a lot of opinion. I'm sure Carl would, based on what, what he said there, I'm sure Carl would go with, with Greenwood. So, in the interest of balance, I, I'm going to go Saka. I, th- I think he's he's so good, and I don't think Greenwood is as good as those other guys: Sterling, Sancho, Saka, perhaps Foden, um, on that right hand side. And I don't think he's yet developed into that centre forward that we probably all envisaging in becoming that top-class centre-forward in becoming. So I'll go Saka over Greenwood, but I expect Southgate to do the opposite. I would expect Southgate to go Mings and Greenwood rather than my choice of Godfrey and Saka. And Jack, just what well, as you were at the press conference, I don't know whether this came up, he, t- he talked about maybe having 23 and then three reserves that aren't involved in the squads on match days and things like that. Did he expand any more on that? Because you can imagine, like, like I'm just using it as an example, someone I've watched every week this season, Ollie Watkins, you know, he's probably happy to be in the 26 and maybe not be involved in the games. Whereas someone who hasn't been picked in the whole squad, Danny Ings, would probably be less happy doing that. Do you think that kind of thing is going to play a part when he names the 26? Well, I think the issue with this is that I think you're only allowed 12 subs or you're allowed 12 people on the bench. So even though UEFA are allowing managers to pick 26 players, the matchday squad will only be allowed to be, will only be allowed to be 23. And Southgate said that's a regrettable situation, really, because it means that you going into every game, you're telling three guys in the squad that they've got no chance of having any participation in the game. Uh, so that's obviously something he's got to be a little bit wary of in terms of how you know upsetting people might affect the dynamic. Carl, there's, there's five subs as well. He can make five subs during this tournament, which is quite a unique situation for a, for a summer tournament, isn't it? I think I'll probably have to go away soon and have a look at when and where Southgate does his substitutions going back to the World Cup and see if he's got a preferred time to do his first sub and what players he normally brings on because there's often a method to madness and substitutions. Uh, having watched Ole Gunnar Solskjaer all season, I know he likes to make substitutes in the 62nd minute, roughly, for his first one, and he tends to bring on Mason Greenwood. So I think things like that could also alter who stays in the squad or not. We all 
joking when we're doing our pub conversations that, like, oh, you've got to bring Trippier just in case. Oh, you've got to bring in Wan-Bissaka just in case. Oh, you've got to bring Greenwood just in case. But is Southgate a sort of manager who does have a, just in case, this guy will be my sub? And sort of what will happen there? So uh, that's a chance. That's a thing I'll probably just commission myself to do there. So uh, yeah, there you go. I'm, I'll be intrigued. I think my seven, I'll probably leave Ollie Watkins at home for Mason Greenwood just because I think Greenwood will be more impressive coming off the bench due to his shooting technique. But if Southgate's not the sort of person that likes bringing on attacking subs just for here, run around for 20 minutes and shoot, then it doesn't matter. No, I mean, I think one thing we can take away from this podcast is it, it's a difficult task and there'll be plenty of people that agree and plenty of people that don't agree with Gareth Southgate. But yeah, we'll see what happens. Thanks ever so much for joining me today, guys. It's been great to chat to you all and we'll be chatting throughout the Euros and I look forward to it. Can't wait. It's coming home. So that's it. Thank you for listening to our first England show. And don't forget, we'll be with you daily throughout Euro 2020 on this feed with myself, Mark Chapman, Jack Pitbrook and a host of other special guests from The Athletic and beyond. We're back next week when the squad is finalised on Tuesday the 1st of June. So we'll see you then. The Athletic.